Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. So on Wednesday, Justin Trudeau withdrew the Emergencies Act, which begins, well, really begs the question, was it ever really necessary? Has the Canadian government simply lost its way as far as dealing with real protest is concerned? My guest says yes. He wrote the column that we talked about three weeks ago, an op-ed that he wrote on December the 4th, when the headline was Canada's failure to properly respond to protests threatens democracy and the rule of law. So I thought at the time, this is a keeper. And it was, and three weeks ago, we spoke with Professor Ken Coates about that particular column, that op-ed, and we're going to do it again because of what we just experienced. Uh, The Emergencies Act being invoked and then withdrawn have the last 10 days in Ottawa delivered on the concern expressed by Professor Coates and his December Globe and Mail op-ed. Ken Coates is the candidate chair in regional innovation at the University of Saskatchewan. He's an expert in northern and indigenous matters, and uh, his books include What to Consider if You're Considering University and Arctic Front, Defending Canada in the Far North. Ken, thank you very much. Defending Canada in the Far North may not be theoretical much longer. Well, these last couple of days have really heightened everybody's concern, haven't they? We may be back talking about Russia's ambitions for Ellesmere Island in the near future. We may indeed. So you you began that column, that op-ed on the 4th of December, and it's interesting how it's come back, not once but twice. Uh, These are tumultuous times. The 2020s may not match the power to the people protests of the 1960s or even the Occupy movements and the anarchist uprisings of the 2010s, but recent Canadian conflicts have a nasty and angry edge. And while the country may have avoided the kinds of very destructive conflicts experienced south of the border, the... um, and here's where the emergence of bitter confrontations challenges democracy and uh, once the and challenges the ability of our governments to sustain the rule of law. I was hesitating there because my laptop said, I'm not going to let you read the top left hand corner of the screen. <laughs> <laughs> but but it's true. I want to come back to this now. We've, we've gone through this very difficult time of the protests and the situation in Ottawa, the Ambassador Bridge, the response by the government, and the the videos that we saw, the pictures we saw. Have we reached now, as you suggest in the the op-ed, we've reached the point where governments have lost the ability to deal with significant protest. Did we just witness that? I I think we might have. It doesn't mean you can't get it back in some ways, but I think we're really on a dangerous course, quite frankly. Um, Notice what we're not talking about. We're not talking about a destructive attack on a coastal gas lake pipeline in northern British Columbia that actually resulted in what may have been several million dollars worth of damage by 20 people who came out of the darkness and started, you know, sort of, you know, tipping over trucks and destroying equipment and things of that sort. Um, Things are getting out of hand. We've got protests that are going on Vancouver Island where a small number of the protesters are getting way out of control. Um, Governments are curiously quiet about those. But the convoy protesters attracted a very different kind of response. Um, I think it was an overcommitment. The Emergency Measures Act is supposed to be used at a time when basically you have a rebellion about to sort of erupt and destroy it. You know, we can be really mad about the convoy people. I've got two sons and their families living in Ottawa. They were sick and tired of the honking and sick and tired of, of of the protests and things of that sort. But, you know, these, this was not somebody who were about ready to attack the, the parliament buildings and take down the House of Commons. 
you know, and so I think it was an overreaction at the time. And quite frankly, when the government backs away from it within a matter of a couple of days, it makes the whole process look rather silly. And so we get in this interesting situation where you think, well, you know, how strongly are we going to react to protests? And, and at what point do we shut them down? Um, you could have shut down the Ambassador Bridge protest the first day it happened. You could have shut down the downtown Ottawa situation using existing laws the first day or two that it happened. Uh, we chose to sort of let it all dig in and get all the, the, you know, the bouncy castles out and the hot tubs out and all the things we sort of made fun of. But there is no need to make it last that long. Government has to sort of stand and defend law, the laws. They have to stand there and sort of make it clear. Absolutely, you can protest. You know, we've talked about this before, that protest is an, essence, an essential part of, uh, of, of any democracy. People have to have the ability to stand up and say really unpopular things. Um, and, and we have to defend that at all costs. But that does not extend beyond the line of sort of legal behavior and disrupting the lives of tens of thousands of people. Um, and when governments let it go on as long as they do, everybody thinks, well, where is the government? What are they doing? Then they, they bring out a, um, the legislation, the, the Emergency Measures Act, um, and Emergency Act, and, and, they, and they get rid of it right off, almost right away. So I think we're left completely bamboozled. We don't know what the government's role is going to be. We don't know where they're going to respond and how strong they're going to react. And that leaves an open season for protesters, quite frankly. Well, I was thinking the very same thing, that what has happened over the last number of days, in the last week and a half, really has done nothing other than to potentially empower protesters who have have it in mind to be extremely disruptive in society. And uh, governments have lowered the bar for the Emergencies Act to be introduced. So is there a, is there a, a sidebar issue at play here where governments will try to capitalize from a vociferous and sometimes nasty protest without doing what they ought to be doing, if I'm making sense here. Well, I, I, you, know, you are in, uh, making sense of a very difficult set of circumstances. I mean, the interesting piece is, is that, you know, the police and the authorities should be there in the very first instance. What always troubled me about the situation at Ottawa and Ambassador Bridge is that they knew they were coming. We, we now know that there was a lot of intel going back and forth in Ottawa saying this convoy is coming and they're coming to downtown and here's what they're planning on doing. And these folks were not very silent. You know, you can go on Facebook and go on Twitter and get all the stories you want about what people had in mind. So it, it, it really is sort of a failure of government uh, proactivity. Uh, the governments didn't step up in the first instance. But we're left now with this situation of saying, well, where are the bars and where's the barriers and what are we allowed to do and not allowed to do? You know, and that should be a fairly clear line. You can protest, you can say what you want to do, you can scream at the government, you can stand in front of Parliament Hill and say, basically, as long as it's not hate speech, virtually anything that you want to say, that's perfectly fine. Um, but when you sort of block the roads and interrupt other people's lives, you've crossed the line. You're no longer protesting, you're disrupting. And you're actually being anarchists and you're actually taking control of, away from government and away from the people who elected a democratic state. You know, so if you really don't like the government, don't, don't stand in front of them, block the road, vote them out. Get involved with politics and see if you can convince other Canadians to join with you. That's what democracies have. How, that's how democracies handle this stuff. The way we've done it right now has really le left us open for open season and goodness knows where this goes in, in the months and years to come. Um, we see it on the environmental side. We see it on the anti-pipeline, anti-oil and gas side. Uh, we've seen it a few times on the indigenous side. We've seen some great examples on indigenous people doing it properly. 
add a little more movement, mobilize people all across the country without doing massive disruptions on the scale we've seen in Ottawa. So, so we've got records from the past on how to do it properly. Increasingly, we've lost sight of those things. And when governments do not stand up and defend the law, then in fact, the country's weaker for it. There wasn't really one government, provincially or federally, that handled the situation after the cross-border trucker vaccine became fact, when the mandate became fact, there hasn't been one government that has handled protests appropriately. And I've, you know, I've become cynical in that uh, at times when it comes to these situations, Ken, and I say to myself, all right, so if I wanted to really gain favor with voters, I'd like a protest start and I'd let it get out of hand and I'd let it get to the point where it's really irritating people. It might not be crossing the, 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 the boundaries of what we tolerate as far as the extremes of protest are concerned, but I can then shut it down and I can I can gain politically from having been seen to do something. And this is the feeling I get, at least in part, with the decision by Mr. Trudeau to enact the Emergencies Act, and then four days later, whatever it was, step up and say, well, the emergency's gone away. If it's all gone in four days and you've really not done that much, then it wasn't that much of an emergency to begin with. Well, that, that's fair enough. I mean, it's interesting. We do see some, some governments that handled it better. You know, they dismantled the, the protest at Emerson in Manitoba without the kind of conflict. They, they talked to people outside of southern Alberta at the border crossing there to sort of turn their backs away. It was a, there was a comparable protest in front of the Saskatchewan legislature and the government sort of told them to go away. So they did, you know, and, and so we, we've seen at a, at a municipal level and at a provincial level, we've seen people handling this kind of stuff properly. Um, I think the, the interesting thing is if, if that was Mr. Trudeau's calculation was that he, what he wanted to do was was to actually sort of you know let the crisis grow so he could be seen as being a tough guy. Um, I'm afraid he's not coming across as Putin at all. I mean, this, he's coming across as a weakling. And if that was, so if his goal was to sort of get everybody rallying behind him, people are going like, they're, they're puzzled, quite frankly. They're puzzled by using a sledgehammer to, to address a, a comparatively small irritant. They're puzzled by the fact that he, he convinces himself that it's an emergency and then backs away within four days. You know, People are not sort of going, wow, uh, there's, there's Superman has just come to town. They're actually looking at this and going, is he understanding what's going on in this country at all? Um, and I think that's, that's a worry. It's a worry for a country that relies on its prime minister to provide guidance in these circumstances and relies on the government to provide guidance. And we've seen some people on all different parties sort of standing up against their parties and speaking out in different sorts of ways. And so maybe out of all of this, we'll finally have a, a kind of an adult conversation we need about how to deal with these in the future. But the message has to be clear. Protest, protest, protest. Cross the line and we will arrest you. That's very simple. And, and you shouldn't ha- we shouldn't have any doubts about that, because then, then people can organize themselves accordingly. Ken, we just mentioned the uh, situation in British Columbia. 17 February, according to police and Global News, a group of masked attackers engaged in a violent confrontation with Coastal GasLink staff at a remote work site. About 20 people, quote, some armed with axes, were attacking security guards and smashing their vehicle windows. And, quote, this is from the police. When officers arrived, some of them threw smoke bombs and fire-lit sticks, injuring a Mountie. That's not protest. That's just criminal activity. But, but under any definition, I should have asked you first, under any definition, does that, does that come under uh, the heading of protest? 
well, the people who did it will say it is, and they're defending the earth and doing all this kind of stuff. What really makes me really upset about that sort of process is, remember the coastal gasoline spent millions and millions of dollars and several years doing consultations with every First Nation and every community in the area, environmental studies, as you hear, longer than you could have possibly imagined, basically gaining the support of the region and has almost uniform Indigenous support across northern northern British Columbia. So these people are self-appointed so-called land defenders. Um, they've got their own agenda. They've engaged in clearly illegal activity. Um, I hope they're caught and I hope they get sentenced to jail sentences. But what, what's happening is, you know, we haven't even really heard very much from the federal government about this. They're getting assigning it very low priority. It's clearly not getting the Emergency Act mobilized in, in that way. And, and I think I think we're just letting these things flare up. And when the government is mildly sympathetic to the cause, they let it go. When they're upset because the protesters are actually mad at the prime minister, they, they take a really strong action. So I'm actually worried very much about sort of where where democracy goes in Canada. We, we've already seen the demonization of people on all sides. Um, the protesters are demonizing the prime minister and calling him a, a, a tyrant and a dictator and, all, and a fascist and all this kind of stuff. The prime minister, for his part, and some of the people, um, you know, uh, Mark Carney, who's an otherwise very sensible person, calls it sedition and treason. And good gracious, I mean, were you watching what was going on down there? Do you know what sedition and treason really mean? So you demonize people on all sides. And how do you have, Roy, how do you have an election in this environment? So you remember the last election, there were a couple of episodes where, you know, somebody threw some gravel or something at, at the prime minister. And this was getting headlines across the country, you know, for, for a couple of days. So, you know, some, some bad people sort of you know, tried to stop the prime minister from saying something. What do you think is going to happen next time? What's going to happen in the next federal election? Do you not think we're going to see sort of a, this is where, this is how democracy starts to die. You know, you're going to have people interrupting events. You're going to have, it's not possible to hold public meetings. You won't be able to have public speeches. People will be yelled down all the time. And you won't be able to have debates. And you're probably going to end up with street fights instead of, instead of political conversations. And it, you know, it sounds a little bit apocalyptic, but this is how these, you know, good democratic systems start to erode. But if you cannot guarantee that the people will be treated decently, that they'll have a chance to speak and to speak appropriately, be listened to, and maybe voted down, I'm perfectly happy with that, um, then what are you left with? Um, You're left with a country where whoever's loudest, whoever's most aggressive and most boisterous is the one that's going to carry the day. That's not Canada. It's certainly not the kind of Canada that, that I love so much and that I'm sure you love so much. Yeah, we've come, unfortunately, We've come a long way in this direction in a fairly short period of time. It's been building. You go back to the Occupy movement and to sort of the G20 summit in Toronto, where the police really acknowledged they just didn't get it under control. And they obviously did a lot better. Um, we allowed a long blockade of the, of the Trent railway systems in southern Ontario, ostensibly in support of the Wet'suwet'en people who actually were in favor of the pipeline rather than opposing it. And we let that just go on. And, you know, if you're watching that as a protester and saying, well, how do I get attention? How do I get myself on the national news? Oh, I can stop a railway. I can interrupt a rock on the airfields. I can, I can do all these kind of really difficult things. Um, that is not how you have this course in a, a modern contemporary civilized society. No, that's that's no. bordering on anarchy. Democracy starts to sort of fall apart. 
And, you know, I don't want to have election events being held in, in my city or your city or anybody's city where you have sort of a phalanx of, of police there, you know, taking everybody's ID and checking them for, you know, for bombs and stuff on the way into a into a public forum. Boy, does, well, does, that, does, does that red, red, raise red flags? If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.